Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like great banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Hello everyone, congratulations on surviving another week of life on this planet even though if you didn't survive it, your body's just physically not there, but like you're still there. Anyway, we'll get into that later. I'm my name's Christina Hutchinson. I'm the current voice in your head. There, there we go. Oh. <laughs> Have you ever had a day that felt like it lasted 87 years? That's the day I'm having because I I I'm recording this truly at what time is it? 6:14 p.m. Yeah, Kevin, start doing that right when I record. That's totally yeah. I'm going to close the door and you're going to get mad. Uh, it's 6.14 p.m. Tuesday night, the night before this comes out. Sorry, Mike. Real last minute. You know, you try, you think you're going to get it in early and you're like, nah, I just need to think on it more. But I couldn't, I've had, this is, uh, I have these nights that are few and far between lately, thank God. But that I won't be able to sleep, that I can't sleep. It used to happen a lot because <laughs> I was taking meth. But also... Because I was stressed out and stuff. And then, so last night, I always know when it's going to happen. I don't know if this ha- goes for you guys, but I always know if I am if I get in bed. I got tired at 11 o'clock last night, and I was like, oh my God, what a gift from the Lord or whoever she is. I'm tired before 3 a.m. Hashtag blessed. And so I got ready for bed. This is my nighttime routine. It's a ritual, but it's like so much work because we're women and we have to be pretty or else we should just die. But just the fa- taking off the face and the I got to put my hair in a silk thing and I, it's just so much work and it's fine. It's like a nice wind down. So I did that because I got tired at 11 and then I sat in bed with Kevin and I was like, nope, that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And then I was up the whole night and I was like, maybe I'll smoke weed and that'll be good. Nope, that made me up more. And then I was like, well, now I have to eat candy from the Valentine's Day candy jar because Corinne's on keto. She's not eating the candy, so I got to eat it. Those Reese's peanut butter hearts. Let me tell you something. Thick, juicy chunks of peanut butter right up my alley. But yeah, I've not, I'm have not. i wackadoo today because I haven't slept. So I hope this makes sense. Do you ever see dogs that look like it's a human in a dog suit? I keep seeing those everywhere, mainly poodles. Poodles or Labradoodles or any doodle oodle poodle poopy doodle dogs look like they're a, a a person in a dog costume. It freaks me out sometimes. I just saw one earlier and I was like, ugh, don't look at me. That's harassment. You're a person in a dog costume. I was looking through all my old photos because I was trying to organize them. What a task. I just have like millions of photos on my phone. I'm like, Christina, stop taking screenshots of everything. But I was trying to, you know organize them in the album so that when I needed to get a certain photo, I know where to find it. And I came across this photo that I took of myself a long ass time ago. I thought I had a Blackberry during those days, but I guess I didn't. Where I applied to work at Hooters because I was like, well, I got big old titties. That was my nickname in high school. Big D's McGee. So I guess I'll just pretend that I don't care that men gawk at me while I work. And I remember when I applied, I filled out the application and I made sure to have like a tight fitting shirt. And then the woman who took it was literally told me she read it over and she looked at me and she asked me a couple questions. And she goes, you're too fragile to work here. 
She said, I, the woman at Hooters told me that I was too fragile to work there. She wasn't wrong, but come on. Let me figure that out for myself, right? Some lessons I want to learn. But I took my a picture of myself outside of the Hooters after I got rejected because I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, who the fuck gets rejected from Hooters? I got big old titties. But my heart is too big, I guess. <laughs> my heart's too big for the Hooters. Hey, I'm a, I'm a sensitive gal. And you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm owning it. I'm owning my sensitivity. And I'm really fucking proud of myself, okay? So stop it. I cry in public. I haven't cried. When was the last time I cried? Probably like yesterday. Over stuff. So I cry when I'm happy a lot lately. Because I'm marveling at simple things. Uh, you should do it. Marvel at the lemon. Hey, I'm I'm on tour a bunch with Corinne and when one of these is solo. But if you live in any of, the, any of the following cities, listen up. I'll tell you where I'm coming and when. Baltimore, Maryland, going to be at Magoobies with Corinne, March 11th through the 13th. St. Louis State, I'm going to be at Helium in St. Louis, Missouri, right? Yeah, sure. Whatever. St. Louis. I'm going to be at Helium Comedy Club with Corinne April 1st to the 3rd. Wendy Starling is featuring for us. That's going to be fun. And I'm going to go to the goddamn city museum and have, I'm going to rent the knee pads this time so I don't hurt my knees. Portland, Oregon. I'm going to be at Helium with Corinne April 22nd to the 25th. And then I have a solo headlining gig in Philadelphia. I'm going to get another tattoo. April 29th through May 1st, I'm headlining Helium Comedy Club, and Corinne and I are back on the road, Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, St. Louis is not, whatever. I'm so tired. Kansas City, Missouri, I'm going to be at the Improv with Corinne, May 14th through the 15th. So if you want tickets to that, get them. I didn't upload any of my, the only gig on my website right now is McGooby's. Sometimes when your to-do list just gets so long, you realize you're just occupying yourself with writing everything down, and then you get overwhelmed, and then you just stare at it, and you cry, and you don't do anything. That's what I've been doing. Corinne and I were doing press for our uh, digital Did That Help show. That was really fun. Thanks for everybody who came. Basically gave out advice. People submitted their questions, but we wanted to promote it because it's an online show, so we can get anybody from around the world to buy a ticket, which was really cool. And so we did all this press. We did a Sirius XM little mini tour from our living room. And Corinne and I did the Jim and Sham, Sam the Jimmy Sham show. Corinne and I did the Jimmy Sham show. Corinne and I did the Jim and <laughs> You get it. Jim and Sam. And I love Jim and Sam. Jim Norton and Sam. I can't think. I don't remember his last name right now. Um, but I love them. And you know, you really you can't pick your fans. And I'm reminded of that often. Because I feel so lucky that you guys don't suck. You really don't. So thanks for that. Um, but whenever, whenever we go on Jim and Sam, like they don't they don't perpetuate it by any means. But there there are a lot of their followers, a lot of the people that comment every time we've gone on Jim and Sam. Historically, we have their and they tag us on their Instagram. It's just a shit show in the comments, and it's hilarious. And that's that's how I know how much work I've been doing on myself. It didn't. I didn't even get a little tickle in my tummy. Reading those comments. I read them. Usually I don't read them because I'm like, I'm too sensitive for this. I don't want to do it. But I read the comments because I was like, this is fun. And I'm pretty sure I've come a long way that I don't care. And I proved to myself that I didn't. And this one guy comments on this photo. First of all, I had my glasses on. It was fucking 9 a.m. Okay. Your girl doesn't is not awake until 1 p.m. So did I apply makeup? No, I bought an Amazon external camera for my computer so it looks like I got makeup on 
And so, well, on one of the comments on Jim and Sam show Instagram posts, this guy goes, I called her ugly and she blocked me. Like, yeah, you dumb bitch. You're a dipshit. Cause and effect. Have you ever heard of it? No, he hasn't. That's what I thought. It's not because I'm crying like a little baby. Could you call me ugly? Fuck you. If you go to my page and call me ugly, I want to make it so that I never am in a position where I have to see or hear or read anything you have to say. You didn't earn my respect. You lost it. And it's not that hard to earn if you know me. But fuck you, you dipshit. I hate, I, it's so funny when people like talk about how they said something shitty about you and then you block them and they go, and then she blocked me like a little bitch. Yeah. It's a free cunch. Oh, that's Chris D'Elia's phrase. Can I take it since he got accused of sexual assault? No, I can't do that. That's a comment. It's probably, it's, you know, it's. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast and I'm sure if you're listening to this now and you're a regular listener, a lot of times I'll listen to podcasts and I start talking like the host because it's like you just the voice in your ear. It's the voice in your head. That's my name. that. And so Chris D'Elia's was one that I, I found funny and then uh, he sucks. But uh, but his podcast was funny. Can't take that away. It was. Um, and but I would the way he says things really like seeped into my brain and I started saying things that he says and I'm like you can't just take another comics words Christina I mean you can but that's not good that's not good but yeah if I you know don't you bragging that I blocked you fuck off you dipshit cause and effect get used to it what's that song cause and effect <laughs> yeah oh, it lost me Guys, right after I recorded last week's episode, <laughs> I was like, I'm in such a good place. I recorded this like the afternoon before it comes out, not like the night before it comes out. Like, good for me. I deserve a break. And then I went to light a thing of sage. I have a bundle of sage in my apartment. Uh, I have a couple. One of them just g- goes off like it lights up. And I'm like, that's not safe and or what I want. So I went downstairs to light the tippiest little bitty itty bitty tip of this sage. Okay. I lit just a little bit of tip with the lighter and I blew it out immediately. So there's a little smoke coming. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And it was in a glass cup and I put it down on the floor. Yes, it was on a carpet, but it was just, there was not even an ember. Okay, that's what I'm working with here. There was not an ember in sight. It was just a little bit of smoke coming off from the tippy tip of one of the sage leaves in this bundle that apparently is doused in gasoline. And and then I went upstairs and I was like, I'm going to make some tea because I'm a good person. Right? I'm doing a good job. This is my last word. Yeah? No! All right, well, no one asked you anyway. And then I was in my bathroom, doing bathroom stuff, probably taking all the layers of stuff I painted on my face earlier that day for no one to see except me, but hey, you gotta feel pretty for you. And then I came back out into my living room upstairs, and there is just plumes of smoke coming up from my downstairs. And I was like, well, I... Yeah, that's not good. And immediately I was like, okay, we're about to go on an adventure, Christina. Went downstairs. The cup of sage was ablaze. The whole thing was lit on fire in this glass cup. The glass cup had turned black. It was clear. It turned black because of the burning of the sage. And I was like, well, what do I do? I ran upstairs to get a broom. I I, I don't know why. I didn't know enough to know that that glass was going to be very hot. So, hey, some of my survival instincts are intact. Thank you so much. I've been working on myself. I really appreciate it. And I took the broom and I was like, what am I going to do with this broom? And I hit it 
into the bathroom off my bedroom because that's a tile floor with no carpet. And then it I couldn't get it up over the hump to get into the doorway. There's a little, you know, thing on the doorway, a little hump. And so I took a piece of clothing on the floor and then I just picked up the glass and it still burnt. Oh boy, I'm looking at my thumb now. It looks like it survived a war. But just a little bit of my thumb, not the whole thing. And then I went to, when I picked up the stage to put it in the bathroom, I dropped it because it was so hot and it shattered all over the bathroom. And then I had to take water from the sink with my little hands. Actually, my hands are big. With my hands, my big ass man hands. Well, they're long and thin. <laughs> and my slender man hands. And I, t- I put the sink, you know, put the water on the sink and I was just like, you know, taking little cups of water and splashing it over the sage that was on fire and I was like man could call the fire department but that's not a situation where I want to meet a firefighter this dumb bitch lit her sage and then just walked away left it on a carpet I don't have to say that I can't blame it on anybody it's just me and the dog although dachshunds are little shits sometimes but yeah so I burn my thumb oh my god it hurts this is not even like I think I thought when you get a burn it swells up and then it uh you know bubbles up and then it peels away and then you're fine this is like like a toe callus on my thumb who's horny and but then there's gashes in it so i don't know what's happening what's going to happen to this thumb but it's not going to look it's going to look fucked up for a while it's like worse than stump thumbs because stump thumbs well stump thumbs you're born that way and that's okay it's not your fault and it's fine um but um but burnt but toe thumbs, that's not cute. Especially if you got it because you lit sage and then put it on a carpet and then just left. I feel like you kind of deserve that. Oh, my God. I just, I, you know, with all this time by my goddamn self lately. New York City just recently opened indoor dining, which that's cool. But still, the comedy clubs aren't open. So there's not a hang. I'm not getting a hang, which is good because I don't have any damn self-control. Oh my God. I was thinking about, I went on a, I went on, I think it was about a year ago. No, a little more than that. I went on a proper seven day bender of ecstasy, Adderall, cigarettes, marijuana, and alcohol. That's a lot of substances with, with one of my friends that I adore. But when you know when you try to keep up with a friend with drinking or any substance or I'm so easily influenced like I I always I realize this about myself I always want to have all the drugs on me so that people like me which you know earn it a different way Christina okay I'll try Now the covid's happening it's who cares if you have all the drugs on you there's nowhere to go right so I don't have all the drugs on me but I would all, and I bought, I found ecstasy. I found, I found it on the floor and then I took it and I was like, well, this is fun. So I found more on the floor. No, I got a guy through a friend or something. I took a half of an ecstasy. I'd never done ecstasy. I think that was the first time I did it. And then I just did it for like a month and I was like, all right, I'm good on the ecstasy forever. But I went on a proper bender. It started with, I met a friend who was performing in another city and I, I drove to the city to see him perform. And then we stayed at their friend's house and took ecstasy. Because, again, someone was just like, wait, you have ecstasy? And I was like, yeah, I guess we should do it, huh? Okay, let's all do it. And then, a, like, a day or two later, this friend and I spent every night together for, like, eight straight nights. 
<laughs> a day or two later, we're at his place, and then I wake up, and there's like an itch in my eye, and I was like, "That's weird." My eye—it's it like a weird itch in my right eye, and I was like, "Huh?" And I went home, and I had to record guys who fuck with Corinne, and as I'm recording with Corinne, my eye is swelling up, and it's oozing. Who's horny, huh? My eyes oozing, and I was like, "This isn't good." And so I called my friend that I had been hanging out with, and I was like. Because Corinne tried to get me to an urgent care. She's like, I got to walk you. I can't because I couldn't see. And then I wanted to take my other contact out because I was scared. I was like, is it going to get in my other eye? But then I didn't want to put my glasses on because then I couldn't hold a, a compress over my eye. And it was just going to ooze. And that's not cute. Nothing about me was cute at all that week. So my friend met me that I was hanging out with and he we found a doctor. He was like walking me around because without my glasses, I am blind as a fucking bat. And this old Upper East Side man opens his private eye office specifically for people who's like in the middle of the night. They're like, my eyes fucked up and no one else is open. It was some kind of holiday. I think it was like Memorial Day or something. But he had a private office so he could kind of open it on himself. And he, he, we walked, my friend came back, walked me into this office and he was like, oh, that's not good. And I was like, can you not say that like that? That's scary because your girl don't like anything. I know I wear contacts, but that was a years long battle to get comfortable with contacts. And no one's, no one's like, yeah, touch my eye. No one's comfortable with the eye stuff. I mean, I guess some people are. They're called freaks. But more power to you if you are. But I hate you just like, oh, when you go to the eye exam and they you got to sit in front of this target, you got to pull your eye up against this hole and it blows a bunch of air into your eye. Uh, That shit freaks me out so much that I haven't got that done in seven years because I just I have too much anxiety. And the guy at the mascot or the lens crafters is just like, just stop, which is it's you're fine. But that was said to me for like seven years. So I'm like, oh, hold on, I'm fine. But that's how scared I am of eye stuff so we went to this doctor and he's like okay I think it's okay just take these drops but it doesn't look good I'm like okay and we went my friend went home with me we watched chair I remember we were watching Chernobyl I didn't see the the series on HBO if you ever have like a like a movie or a television show that you consume during a rough part of your life like I'll always Chernobyl is such a good show but I'll always associate it with a bender and my eye oozing out of my head we were watching Chernobyl. I'm like, this is a gorgeous show. Very beautifully made. And uh, and then a couple episodes in, I'm like, I opened my eye compress and I was like, excuse me, friend. This doesn't this looks worse, doesn't it? And he's like, yeah, that yeah, that looks a lot worse. And so I called that doctor guy and he was like, you got to go to the ER. And I was like, God damn it. What a time to not have health insurance, huh? America. Don't get a paper cutter, you'll be in debt for 27,000 years. And you might as well not have kids because they'll inherit all your debt from that one paper cut. America loves you. No, they don't. That's just a thing they say to get you to come over. And then they're mean. That's my song about America. So we went to the, the ER and I'm crying like a little bitch. I'm crying like a kid cries when he stubs his knee and he looks around and the parents look scared. So he takes that as a cue to freak out. That's how I was crying. Get to the ER and they're like, that looks very bad. I'm like, can you stop saying that to me? Stop saying it. Had to stay overnight in the ER. They had to take an MRI. They thought I was going to lose my eye. They're like, yeah, this might not be there tomorrow. They didn't say it like that. They, the lady was a little nicer. But I warrant there was a there was a there was a med student who came in overnight who had to look at my eye. And I said, I'm like, look, 
I am more sensitive than the average bear with the eye stuff. I freak out. You know when you tickle somebody and they can punch you? That's not a reaction everybody has, but some people have that reaction. I'm like that with my eye. So I told the lady, I go, help me help you, lady. Okay? So if you're going to touch my eye, if you're going to do anything with my eyelid, if you're going to put anything near my eye, you got you got to give me a warning. If you give me a warning, I'll hold my breath and I won't freak out. What does this bitch do? She takes my upper eyelid and turns it inside out without telling me. And I pushed her into um, one of those machines that they take your insurance info on. And she fell over. And I felt bad. But I was also like, lady, I'm sorry. That's a knee-jerk reaction. I'm so sorry. But I just told you to give me a goddamn warning. I'm a child of trauma. My fight or flight is in overdrive, especially with this eye shit. I do not know what I'm capable of. So, yeah. And then I and then I had this this they didn't know. No one. No one could tell me what happened. It was just some random little bacteria or I, they don't know. I was like, is it pink eye? They're like, I don't think so. I'm like, well, that's good. At least it's not poo poo in my eye. But it was it was bad. And then I did ecstasy again. I was like, well, I'm here. Might as well do it. Like two days later. And then my friend, it was my friend's birthday. And we were we had just did ecstasy like again. And we're like, what are we what am I doing? What are we doing? And then I had a three way scheduled where I flew a guy in. This is like a year and a half ago. I flew a guy in with a with a friend. This is another friend. I mean, it was just it was a proper bender where six out of the eight nights, no, four out of the eight nights. That's still a lot of nights. There was ecstasy consumed. I mean, and then all the other nights there was at least weed. So I'm at, that is all to say that I'm a reformed woman, and I'm glad because I don't ever want to deal with that shit. Oh my god! I can't. Can you? I'm just like, oh, Christina. You okay? How you doing? I read. So I read this letter on guys we fucked, and I was like, um, you know, part of the thing with guys we fucked, we're behind a paywall, and we when we and we made that decision. Like, we took a year to make that decision, and one of the one of the Kevin. He's biting my wires. One of the reasons why a caveat for a bonus for us was more privacy. You know, when you have a guy on that you're actively having sex with and then you have him on the show and you're like, oh, this is fun. We had a nice open conversation. And and then like a million people try to fuck him and you're like, well, that's not no one wants that. You know what I mean? It's just a weird thing. And yeah, this is the life I chose. OK, but it's still. Ugh. So that was one of the things. And I read a couple two weeks ago. I read I read this letter that I wrote to my mom and dad and I wasn't going to read it on here because I was like, ah, it's so open. But so many people have been emailing me about parent stuff and if you've been listening since the beginning, and if, especially if you've been listening to guys we fucked, you you understand how um, lo- how far I've come, okay? <laughs> with my communication, with my sense of stillness, with my um, just adulting skills have gotten really good. I'm I'm really good at sitting still. I'm not going on benders. You know, it's a better life. Um and. Kurt and I were recording Guys We Fucked We were doing like a bonus episode on Monday And we were reading a bunch of emails And one of the emails was from a girl That said that she found the podcast She listened to it until we had my ex-boyfriend on And she was She said she was so disgusted By how much of a gaslighting narcissist he was And this is not the first time I heard this It just kind of hit a certain way On Monday when when we read it That she stopped listening to the podcast Because she was so disappointed and I was like, well, goddamn, girl, 
I mean, I hear you. That's good. Honestly, your morals and values are intact. If you're like, oh, this, no one's saying anything. Krim wasn't going to say anything. We were comedy partners and the podcast was going well. So she kept her mouth shut. To me, at least, which I appreciate. But like when other when people you never met can see how emotionally abusive the relationship you're currently in is and you just really can't see it. I can't tell you how jarring that is, boys and girls and they's and thems. I mean, and and I think that it's taken me a good two years since this breakup to like to swallow this cactus pill of, wow, you dated somebody and we had great times, obviously, but it's just jarring for other people that you never met before who know you well. Podcasting is a one way intimate relationship, I always say. You, you do know a lot about me, more than my parents do. Uh, it's jarring to hear still just it's, you know, I wouldn't say jarring, but I got a little quiver when we were reading that email on Monday. Um, but I, and I really I understood exactly what the girl was saying, where she was coming from. Honestly, I respected it. Probably something I would have done. I would have been like, I can't get on board with this. This fucking woman's in the clouds. She doesn't even she's a podcast about sexuality and she doesn't even understand the kind of relationship she's in. It is weird when everybody else knows and you don't know, including strangers. <laughs> that'll get you to do some Adderall right let's just shove it down with marijuana <laughs> okay so it's jarring so you know how far I've come obviously <laughs> I've been in I've been in friendships where I didn't understand the dynamic at play and then I stopped talking to the friend and everyone was like yeah that was weird I'm like god damn it again and then with my parents particularly my mom I, I there's just so many things that my people I'm close with pointed out to me that I'm like shit yeah I guess I did do that and it's just it's just it's jarring so if you're experiencing that or if you have experienced that in your life you know what I'm you know the feeling I'm talking about but if you're going through that like if you broke up with a guy who was just truly terrible but you really wanted to believe that he was good just perhaps consider the fact that it might be a survival mechanism at play that did not allow you to see the walking piece of poop that you were making love to on a weekly basis or daily basis for seven years. <laughs> it's just really jarring. So, and I, I wasn't going to read this on this podcast, but I'm like, nah, I, so many people email me about communication and about, about mommy issues particularly or a parent with depression or just family stuff, man. I've never seen a functional family in my life, truly, like a fully functioning, wonderful family. I know they exist. I've just never seen them, but they're there probably. Um, so I wanted to share this letter that I wrote to this email that I wrote because I and the reason why I wanted to share it. because I'm like, eh, is this too personal? Is this too weird? I'm, I'm personal and weird all the time, so it's fine. Um, just to show you an example of what clear communication looks like, because as I said, either last week or the week before, I communicated myself so well and from a place of love that I my happiness was not dependent on their response, which was the first time that's ever happened to me. And I was like, Corinne, is this what you've been talking about your whole goddamn life? Jesus Christ, it's nice up here in the clouds. I like not in the clouds, but in the where I could see things clearly and not get mad or sad. And just because you're working on yourself doesn't mean you're not going to feel all emotions and bad things aren't going to happen. But you really have the tools to deal with them better. So this is a, this is a um, the letter I, I wrote. And you guys know the situation if you've been listening. So uh, 
just to provide you an example of of what communicating out of love, but that doesn't necessarily mean you let them walk all over you, right? Okay, dear mom and dad, I'm crying already. Uh, I must start out by saying that I love and miss you both so much and I think of you every day. This pandemic has afforded me quality time with myself that I didn't realize I so desperately needed. Since last March, I have managed to meditate every single day. This has given me the tools to better understand and communicate with myself and others. So many memories and old feelings have come up during meditating that I can now handle with care, grace, patience, and love. If you knew how hard I've been working on myself, I think you'd both be very proud of me. I know that you love me, but I need you to respect me. The last several text exchanges we had broke my heart into a million pieces and sent me into a panic spiral because I wasn't feeling seen or heard by either of you. I know you want to heal our relationship, as do I. I want us to find the best ways to communicate that are rooted in love, kindness, and respect. Up until recently, I was not familiar with what healthy boundaries looked like in any type of relationship and I used to see boundaries as a wall a person puts up to push someone away but after much reading thinking and stillness I now know that boundaries are healthy and loving ways to manage relationships with other people mom I was devastated when you showed up to New York City unannounced after I very clearly asked you to give me space if I don't have the answers or understand how I feel in the moment I need time to understand my emotions and get my thoughts in order which is what I was doing dad I was just as heartbroken when I texted you that morning and you saw nothing wrong or violating about an impromptu visit, especially after you and I FaceTimed and I expressed my frustrations saying, quote, it feels like when I talk, neither of you listen to me. I want to focus on how we can develop a healthy, loving relationship because I know that is very possible. Because it is. After months worth of thought, hundreds of hours of reading, therapy and conversations with friends and family, these are important things I need from both of you or and or things I need you to know about me. Number one, I'm extremely sensitive. My body, mind and heart are so, so, so sensitive. I finally learned to accept it and not feel bad, guilty or ashamed about this part of me. I, it took me a while to realize that sensitivity does not mean weak, fragile or pathetic. This part of me contributes to what makes me so loving and compassionate. And I've learned to love my sensitivity and use it to guide me. In the past, I've spoken to both of you. Uh, in the past, I've been spoken to by both of you in malicious tones with hurtful words that have shaken me to the core. I need both of you to keep my sensitivity in mind, especially when you express your feelings of anger and or frustration about something I've done or said. Number two. There's only three. In the past, I have felt as though I could not be 100% honest with you, mostly mom, about how I felt or about what was happening in my life. I used to live in fear of your reactions to me and having a filter out any truths about my life when talking to you was exhausting. And the kicker is I don't even have that uh, deep, dark secrets. One of the biggest things I ever hid from you both was the name of my podcast, even though I was and am so proud of the show. I knew it was something very special and it uh it's what allowed me to do things I've never dreamt of doing, like selling out a thousand seat theater and owning a piece of property that you guys live in. It's the small things. I didn't say that, though. It's the small things that would always elicit earth shattering reactions from you, whether it was being honest about the fact that I smoked weed or that I was at Stephen's house for Easter and didn't give you the heads up. I've been absolutely gutted by your anger towards me over these types of situations. It felt as though you hated me. Like you didn't accept me and that I could never be good enough for you to not be angry with me. 
I'm fully, and this is the last one, I'm fully capable of taking care of myself and I do a damn good job of it. I need you both to trust me when I say this. One of the last phone conversations I had with dad, he tossed out a hypothetical situation. If I were to drop Kevin off at your house and leave town for a week, wouldn't I be calling and texting several times to check and see how he's doing? Wouldn't I be worried and want to make sure he's doing okay? And I swear on my life, the answer to that question is no. It's no, because I know the both of you very well. And I fully trust that if my dog was at your house, he would be in the absolute best hands because you are not only fully capable of babysitting Kevin, you would both do a superb job of it and would make sure he was comfortable and having fun. If I didn't feel that way, I wouldn't leave Kevin with you. I need you to trust me and understand that I know what is best for me most of the time. And if I don't, I'll never hesitate to ask for your advice or wisdom when I need it. Please let me know your thoughts on all that I've mentioned. That sounds businessy. And please, please, please know that I love you both so much. And I want to build a wonderful, communicative, honest, loving, respectful relationship with you. Love always, your girl. Well, Christina. Thank you. Thank you. I did. I did meditate before I read that. I re- I meditated before I wrote that. And I and I meditated and I was like, my grandpa that I have a special connection with, I was like, Grandpa Karins, please help me write this. Someone help me so I don't go wah, wah, wah. So that I just wanted to share that as a um as a what what communication looks like from a sensitive gal such as your gal. Um yeah, I still haven't heard back, but that's okay. It's really okay. Not going on benders, writing emails out of love. I mean, seriously, I'm really learning and growing and figuring it out. And the stuff that I'm going to be getting into over the course of the next few months are there there are ideas that will change the way you think things work in the world, which is a very um a very threatening historically that's a very threatening concept. And it's important to keep in mind that it's good to be skeptical. You got to go on your own personal journey of research in anything that interests you. Obviously, if this shit doesn't interest you, you can tell me, go fuck off. But not before you leave a five-star review on my podcast. Thank you. If someone fears your skepticism, how strong do they actually stand in their beliefs? That's my theory. You know, if you present skepticism towards somebody and they're like and they get mad now granted i used to get mad but that's because i was so overly overly defensive because my fight or flight was always in fight and i was super vigilant and i was like please stop getting mad at me for things i didn't even know i did but that's has roots in having a bipolar mom but for the most part like all these all the research i've been doing all the books i've been reading like I, i like when they accept the skepticism and they honor it and they and they encourage it I think that if any time you're talking to a person or an organization or a company that doesn't welcome your skepticism, something's fucked up. You could pretty much guarantee that something's fucked up because if they were so goddamn secure in what they thought and felt and believed, then why would their skepticism be a threat to you? That's because they don't really believe what they think. That's most people over be skeptical. Question everything. Don't believe me. Don't believe anything. You do your own research. Because I think that's a really important part. And I want to invite you to consider the following. 
Brian Weiss um, referenced this in his book, and then I looked it up. Um, just to give you like more facts about it. On April 12th, 1633, Chief Inquisitor Father Vincenzo Maculani de Farnoozle. Oh, that's not where his name ended. Anyway, this guy, Vincenzo, appointed by Pope Urban VIII, begins the inquisition of uh, physicist and astronomer Galileo Galilei. Remember him? He was saying that the Earth does not or the sun does not revolve around the earth the earth revolves around the sun and he also said the earth has its own axis that it's on a tilt and all these people mostly religious were like kill him basically galileo was ordered to turn himself into the holy office which ooh, honestly it does sound scary uh to begin a trial for holding the belief that the earth revolves around the sun which was deemed heretical by the catholic church Standard practice demanded that the accused be imprisoned and secluded during this trial. So, I mean, this motherfucker was a profound thinker. Still is. He's not, his physical body's not around, but his fucking spirit is. Could you imagine if you're reincarnated Galileo Galilei? Oh man, that'd be cool. But so there's, there's so many examples of ideas that, once presented everyone around them is like what you fucking whore kill him Salem witch trials just let the bitch fuck Salem witch trials (laughs) just let her have sex god damn Salem witch trials but there's so you know racism slavery was accepted in America and all over the world And now we're like, you know, that was fucked up, huh? Yeah. But these things, these, the idea that like, hey, maybe we should not have slavery. People freaked out about that at one time. That's kind of fucked up, huh? So my point in this and yelling at you, like you're my son (laughs) who did not get a good grade in his math quiz, which is okay. Sometimes math's not anything, but anyway. Is, is that th- what I'm saying and the stories that I'm telling you and the emails that I'm reading might seem really far-fetched and they might feel uncomfortable to hear because they challenge how you perceive shit to work. And I've felt that too. So I just wanted to throw that out there as a, uh, as a prerequisite and say like, it's okay, it's good if you feel that way. That means you're skeptical. That means you have a thinking brain. So, you know, not the worst goddamn thing in the world. You could have one eye that's oozing oozing stuff out and you're trying to watch this television show and you can't because it's just your eyes oozing and you might lose it and then some fucking medical student just puts a stick in your eye without saying nothing and then you push her and you feel bad and you got to deal with that for a couple months that guilt but yeah before I go into more about Brian Weiss because that's a person I wanted to highlight uh, briefly uh, on this episode I'm going to read some more of the emails about mystical experiences and if you have one that you want to email me about trust me if you've listened to me for more than two seconds i'm not going to judge you and i'm not going to think it's weird (laughs) it is so hard to freak me out gross me out annoy me it's really hard some people do it but not a lot my tolerance is high so it's a say what i mean is if you want to email me a story it's a safe you you it's a safe place to share your story and if you're listening and you're like, well, uh, no, well, look, how skepticism is healthy. So if you have a mystical experience and what I mean by that is you've had a you've knew somebody was going to die or you knew something was going to happen and then it happened 
or somebody passed away that you loved and you were able to communicate with them or get signs from them or you're psychic or whatever. Spoiler alert, we're all capable of this stuff. We're all capable of being psychic mediums. We're all capable of being magical fucking freaking fun people. But, you know, not some people, most people aren't going to get into it because they're not interested. A lot of people will challenge the way they think the world works and that's too uncomfortable. Remember when we were like, ew, gay people can't get married? Yo, that's fucked up. And now we're like, why do we ever think that, right? So, please come into this with an open mind. Kevin, stop. Love you so much. Hello, Christina and Kevin. Kevin, this person says hi. Oh, sorry. Kevin's having sex with his boyfriend. My name is, I don't know if I could say it. I'll say Darian. That's your first name. And I want to share a story with you, although my life is filled with these types of stories. Ooh, you lucky bitch. That's so cool. When I was in high school, my mom died. She struggled with addiction, and sadly, I lost her when I was starting my sophomore year. I'm so sorry. I had all types of signs given to me that she was with me. Her name was Penny. I love that name. And every time I am going through a hard time or am or am happy, I find a penny in a random spot, her trademark. It's almost like she's telling me she's with me. I've had a lot of weird things happen to me, like her coming to me in dreams and talking to me and feeling someone rubbing my head at night when I'm falling asleep. Oh, that's so cool. The one night in particular, when I was home visiting my dad, I woke up to go to the bathroom around 3 a.m. That's where all the spirits talk to you the most because it's like, I don't know why exactly, but I'll find that out later. And when I came back, I got into bed like normal. I then felt the need to look up and on my pillow was a stuffed bunny that I hadn't seen in years that wore a T-shirt that says, I love Darian on it. I hugged it and slept with it the rest of the night. I also felt someone rubbing my head that night, too. I have a picture I wanted to share with you of my dad, and there's clearly a spirit beside him. One picture I will attach is the spirit right beside him, and the other picture is the spirit going away. It'll blow your mind. Let me tell you something. I know this is a podcast, but holy shit. I this photo first of all he's by a campfire this person's dad's by a campfire there is a blue it, it's the shape of a woman right next to him I don't want to share it on my social because that's that's very personal I don't I don't think this person that's that's their thing to share I don't want to share it but but it I mean I love me some photo video proof too it looks like a woman right next to him and then the picture that um is the per, the spirit of Penny going away it looks like it doesn't it's not in the shape of a person anymore, but you could see it like going away. And it's this bright neon blue. Outdoors. It was just oh, so cool. Gave me chills. Gave me chills. Let's keep reading some emails. I decided that I didn't believe in religion or God right around the time my Catholic mother had me confirmed. Oh, convenient. So I cut any idea of heaven, hell, or an afterlife out of my mind and thought all we got was our time on earth. That's not true, but that's okay. That that changed my freshman year of college when the guy I was seeing was shot and killed off campus. He was at a friend's house when a robbery took place. We lived on the same dorm floor, so everyone knew we were dating. The building staff and other students made such a big fuss, I never really sat down with my emotions to comprehend. At one point, I just realized I had stopped crying every day. For a few weeks after he died, I would turn on the radio, and the song playing would be, If I Die Young... You should be here or go on without me. And I knew it was Nick. My thoughts of what happens after death changed to instead of there being nothing or a decided heaven or hell, 
was that there was just a place where the soul of everyone you've ever loved just hangs out exactly as they were. I had to tell myself that in the uh, at least in at least 80 years, I would go to see him again. I would get to see him again. It made, uh, it made it fun to think that I would go get to meet some of my idols from history like Teddy Roosevelt or Steve Irwin. <laughs> I love your idols. All chilling in the same place with my grandparents. It made losing him just a little more tolerable. I apologize for rambling. Stop apologizing. I just don't uh, just haven't talked about this since it happened on a deeper capacity than, yeah, when the guy I was dating died, he was killed on Super Bowl Sunday, and this year is the first time the Super Bowl falls on the same date again, and that makes me feel closer than ever. Thank you. Uh, take time for reading this email. <sighs> Let's read another one. And that's the other thing, too. It's like when you get a sign from somebody or something like that happens, you also... A skeptic could say, well, it's convenient, but there's also this like knowingness that comes with it. Like, oh, that's so and so like a couple of emails I read last week. One of the person, one of the people was like, oh, it's this uncle that I didn't even know, but I knew it was him. You just kind of know you don't really have to go that you don't have to think that much. Hey, Christina and Kevin, sorry in advance for the long email. It's not that long. Stop apologizing. When I heard you ask for experiences from people who had lost a loved one and felt their presence, I knew I had to reach out. When I was a freshman in high school, my grandma died super suddenly due to complications of a surgery in her mid-50s. She and I were thick as thieves, and that loss honestly broke me. I didn't find out that she was gone until a few days later, and when I asked what had happened, I was shocked. The same day that she had passed away, I spent all day in a fog, feeling like there was something wrong and I couldn't shake it. I feel like I knew she was left this earth before I actually knew she was gone. Flash forward to about four and a half years later. I was in a really bad car accident in the middle of the night because I fell asleep at the wheel. I don't remember falling asleep, but when it happened, I woke up literally seconds before hitting the back of a semi truck on the highway and spinning out of control. Once the car stopped spinning, I tried to open the door to get out. And as I tried to open the door, I heard my grandma's voice, which can happen, in my head saying, stay in the car. And the impact was so bad that my door was stuck shut and I couldn't open it. Right after I tried to open the door, I got T-boned at full speed by another driver on the road that wasn't paying attention and was sent spinning out once more. If I had gotten out of the car when I tried to, I wouldn't be alive to write this email today. Once the second impact happened, the car door was knocked. My car door was knocked loose enough to open and I walked away from the accident. And this person sent me a picture of their fucked up car. Woo! It's fucked up. I've attached a picture of my car afterwards to try and show how shocking it was that I wasn't even hurt. I mean, honestly, that is insane. This car was fucked up. A few days later, I was telling my mom about the accident and how I heard my grandma, her mom, in my head. And she looked like she'd seen a ghost. When I asked her what was wrong, she told me that a few years before I was born, my grandma had gotten into a horrible car accident on that same highway with a semi truck that resulted in the death of her then fiance. Wow. That was the day that my belief in spirits in the afterlife was, life was solidified. I'll never forget it. To this day, I still believe that she saved my life. Thank you for, for providing a space for people to open up and all else that you do. Oh my God, you're so welcome. Wild, man. I heard, I've heard my, my grandpa before. I've like heard him. It's, 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 and at first you think like, uh-oh, going nuts. Cool. But you're not. Sorry in advance for the long one. Again, you don't have to apologize. And that email is not long. 
my story has to do with my dad. He was always the parent that I related to the stories of your mom. So it's a tough relationship then, I assume. Though in the last eight years or so, our relationship has flipped on its head in many ways. It was great. Anyway, I wanted to message you. Uh, uh, I wanted to message you about that, but I decided Christina doesn't need all that shit. All this to say, he passed away very suddenly in October of 2020, not from COVID. Um, he had been very healthy. I had to fly home in the pandemic, and I was feeling broken and lost without him. When I got home, one of the things that touched me was a note on his workbench chronicling the life-changing time we had together a few years ago a trip to witness the total eclipse of the sun i remember when that happened we had even planned to get matching tattoos of it my dad got tattooed for the first time at 70 oh your dad's fucking cool so here i was in my childhood home with mom I had left in such a rush that I packed terribly, so I needed socks and a shirt to wear that day. I pulled open dad's dresser drawer and grabbed a pair of socks. He had hundreds of pairs of patterned socks. I wasn't even looking. I looked at the socks I had pulled out, and there was a covered sun pictured on the ankle, and the soul said, Eclipse. That alone made the hairs stand up on my neck. But then I went to grab a shirt. This man had two dressers of T-shirts, a real fashionista. I again grabbed at random, didn't see it until I unfolded it. It was one of those life is good. He was one of those life is good shirt people. But this one said life is crap with a guy crashing on his bike. I was crying and laughing at this point because to me, the message from my dad was clear. I know this sucks, but I'm still here. I mean, isn't that the goddamn truth? So sorry for all of your losses to everybody who's lost somebody. Um, but you gotta watch. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta. Don't get lost in the grief. I think grieving is important, but everything that I'm reading, particularly by the books by this uh, author, Laura Lynn Jackson, who is a psychic medium, born that way didn't really like it at first describes her relationship with the gift and then every reading she does for people that she writes about all the loved ones on the other side all say stop it's okay you don't have to be sad I'm here all the time which you know the person that I've lost that really made me sad was my grandpa but every other relative that I lost not a lot I don't have a lot of family members um, I knew it was coming, you know, for my other grandparents. They had it was almost like I wish they would have died sooner because it seemed like they were really suffering. They they weren't in a good state and we could it just it was bad. So by the time they died, it was a, more of a relief of like, oh, thank God they crossed. And this is great. Um, but then, oh, my God, actually, yeah, I don't think I told this story. My both my grandparents on that side, my dad's side, they died in our house because we had an in-law suite built on. So that they could live with us. And a couple months after my grandma died, my grandma was not, she wasn't very nice to me when she was on this planet for this life, but I was like, whatever, it's okay. Uh, she, in the middle of the night, my mom was watching TV in this house that they used to live in. And all of a sudden she heard a big loud thump and she went into the kitchen. It, they had a really big kitchen after this renovation, they they had like this huge kitchen and there was a buffet server on the opposite end of where the you know cabinets and sink is and she was looking for something that had clearly fallen because she heard it and she was like what the fuck and then she turned off on all the lights and looked under everything and under the buffet server was a glass a giant glass that was in the cabinet on the opposite side of the room which was far away this was a big kitchen 
it was this giant thick tumble tumbler glass lying you know the rim of it was touching the floor and she was like well that was i mean that was the ghost like that was that those glasses were clearly in the cabinet and she told me that because she knows i love this shit and i was like "Ooh, freaky cool and i told my friend who whose family friend is a psychic medium and i've heard all about her and i had a session with her and you know years ago i've known her for years both of these people and my friend was like oh the next day she's like how my my this woman that she's family friends with wants you to know that that was your grandmother um that night with the glass upside down with your mom and she just wants you to know that she's really sorry for how she acted and i was like well that's nice because they didn't know my friend and the family friend had no idea the dynamic between my grandmother they didn't know she died in the house they didn't know she didn't like women they didn't know she was mean to me my mom and I was like, when she said, oh, Marie wanted me to tell you that your grandma's so sorry for how she acted towards you. I don't know what that means, but if that makes sense, there you go. And I was like, oh, that does make sense because she was not nice. So, you know, if you have a loved one in your life who has or is currently treating you like shit, they will be sorry when they die. You know, they will. And they don't. People got so many hangups, man. And we're so lost in our own thick forest of bullshit. All, every one of us. And we're trying to get our weed whacker and our whatever the knives you take when you go into the jungle to get the shit out of the way. We're trying to clear a path here. Excuse me, I'm trying to clear a path to a better life. Thank you. So, and then a lot of the books by Laurel and Jackson or a lot of the stories, one of the stories in particular was about a, a guy who's seeing her as a client and the dad was not did not nurture him when he was alive and he felt bad and I was like okay they do feel bad honestly that makes me feel better <laughs> so Brian Weiss Brian Weiss these are his credentials he's a doctor he's a graduate of the Yale University School of Medicine Yale, you've heard of that place, right? Yale, that's a good one. And the former longtime chairman of the Department of Psychiatry at Mount Sinai Medical Center in Miami. He has become the foremost prominent uh, proponent of reincarnation and past life regression in America. Now, I'm just going to summarize this book for you real quick, because I'll try to keep these less than an hour. But you know what? Sometimes we try our best and then we get sidetracked. Essentially, this book, I highly recommend you reading it or getting the audio book. He narrates it, which I love. Many lives, many masters. Okay. I re- I I'd heard this book mentioned multiple times. I read the I've listened listened to it multiple times now, and essentially the the overall summary is this: Doctor Brian Weiss was doing hypnotists on a lot of his hypnosis on a lot of his clients, a lot of his patients, and found that they're recovering memories from when they were a kid, right? And it really helped them heal because they were stuck somewhere in their past. And a lot of times, you know, if something really traumatic happens to you as a child, your brain is pretty clutch and will not allow you to remember it until you're way later and you're fucking strippers and doing uh, doing cocaine off of a off of a of a post office box. And you're not there's nothing wrong with doing any of those things. But, you know, there's no balance in your life. Maybe there's a past or not a past life thing, but a, a, a you know, memory that you're repressing. It's, it's common, especially now that I know most of us have had a fucked up childhood, at least for one second. 
Yeah. So he gets this patient that he names Catherine. This whole book is about him and Catherine. And at first I'm listening to this book and he describes her as like hot. And I was like, ugh. like she was like his beautiful model. And I was like, oh, no, is this going to be one of those things where you ugh, please don't say you diddled her. But it, not that at all. But my guard is always up because <laughs> I hear way too many stories. And if I had consented to way too many breast exams that weren't supposed to happen. Hey, you know, what are you going to do? You live and you learn. So Catherine, his patient, has all these anxieties, has all have all these fears. Some of them don't make sense to her. And he suggests hypnosis. She gets a little freaked out and she's like, "Nah, I don't really want to do that. Which makes sense given what she's anxious about. Um, then she goes, she was not in a healthy relationship. She was dating this man who was married for many years. They went to a museum, I believe. I don't know if it was in another country, but it was an exhibit on, I believe, Egypt. And she found, Catherine found herself correcting the tour guide on this museum tour. And then she was like, basically, wait, what the fuck? Where did I get that knowledge? That doesn't make any sense. Turns out all the facts that she was spitting out were confirmed to be true by this museum tour guide. So she comes back to Dr. Brian Weiss and she's like, hey, remember that like hypnosis thing you were like suggesting? And I was like, no. Well, all, all of a sudden, I know all these things about uh, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics and uh, society a long time ago, and that doesn't make any sense. So let's try the therapy thing. Let's try the hypnosis thing. So it gives her hypnosis. She uncovers, and all hypnosis is, is a very heightened state of concentration. You are in control the whole time. You are not asleep, and you do remember what you say. It's just, it's kind of like meditation, but honestly, it's, it's deeper than that. And so he hypnotizes her. She's awake. She's this, you know, heightened concentration state, concentrated state. You kind of got to do this meditation for a really long time, this guided meditation. And then questions get asked um, by the by the therapist. And the therapist should never steer you in any particular direction. They should just ask questions. And you can Google videos of Dr. Brian Weiss giving somebody a uh, go doing hypnosis and what I'm about to tell you. Uh, past life regression which he will stumble upon which was why he wrote this groundbreaking book so they uncover that Catherine was sexually abused by her father at the age of three and it, it and and the circumstances in her story clarify why she had these certain fears she didn't she had a fear of gagging and uh she was recalling during hypnosis that her father would come in she was three years old and put his hand over her mouth so that's where dr brian weiss was able to draw you know okay that's where this came from that's where that came from okay and obviously that's a very painful thing to realize but she never had a good relationship with her dad and she wasn't sure why and so he kind of assumed like this is probably why we probably uncovered something really helpful she didn't none of her her bad habits, her fears, and her anxieties, they didn't really get better. And usually he had been hypnotizing patients for a while. Usually they show significant improvements. Hers wasn't getting better, so they decided to continue with the hypnosis. And he realizes after that first session where they find out that her father molested her, he didn't think to ask yet about when she was on that tour in the museum and had all this knowledge all of a sudden that she does not remember learning. So she, they, they hypnotize her, the hypnotizer. She comes in week after week, getting hypnosis. And then she starts recalling in vivid detail. And this is, guys, this is a nutshell summarize of this book. She starts describing what Dr. Weiss understands later to be past lives. Okay? Now, by the time I read this book, 
I have already read both books by Laurel and Jackson, and I've already seen the Netflix series Surviving Death. Okay, so I am taking all this in and I'm fascinated by it. And I'm like, wow, wow, wow. And I'm seeing parallels between Dr. Brian Weiss's patient, Catherine, and specifically Laurel and Jackson, who's a psychic medium. There's a lot of parallels with the verbiage they're using and the stories that are being recalled between Catherine and then Laurel and Jackson's clients that she talks about in the book. And I'm like, okay, I like that. I like connecting some dots. She starts describing all these past lives in detail and, and, and these these symptoms. If you know, if you just met Catherine that day and you saw her go under hypnosis and you saw her talking in this raspy voice and recalling a time where she was in ancient Greek civilization, you'd be like, yo, bitch is schizo. You know, in a nutshell, because we're real quick to just say, you're schizophrenic, pop a pill on it. Let's get you in a straitjacket, girl. But because Dr. Weiss had worked with her for a couple months at that point, she, he knew that she did not have any other signs other than when she was under this hypnosis, recalling these past lives of paranoid schizophrenia, of bipolar, nothing that she didn't abuse drugs. Good for you. We all can't be that great. Um, so there was no reason to believe that she was making this up. And then he was like, OK, that's weird. And then during one of the hypnosis sessions, she in between, she recalls how she dies in each of these lives. Okay, and then she'll talk to Dr. Weiss in between the life of whatever the the one that she's recalling to him in that moment. And then she it's like she becomes another person and she starts talking to him as we will later find out a spirit, a spirit guide, an angel, whatever you want to call it. And that's the other thing I like with these authors. They use words and like you can replace it with all of these things, these ideas that are more familiar to you. And then she starts saying through basically channeling the spirit guide that Dr. Weiss had recently gone through, lost his son. And she said the words, your father is here. And he had recently lost, he had lost his father and he had lost his son at 23 days old from a very rare heart condition where essentially he was born with his heart was backwards. But he didn't, none of his patients knew about his personal life, which is how it should be. Um, I know some of my friends know their therapists like they're kind of like girlfriends, but like for the most part, he's supposed to be separate. They're supposed to know a lot about you and then that's it. <laughs> and so she, Catherine was like, your, your father is here. Um, he wants you to know that you'll know he's here by me saying his name Avram, which was his uh, Hebrew name. And there was all she started telling him all these details that were exactly things that have happened in his life. The, the death of his 23-day-old son. And he was shocked and he was like, what the fucking shit? He didn't say that exactly, but that's me paraphrasing it. And so he keeps doing these hypnosis sessions and he's realizing that when Catherine comes out of the hypnosis, she's not remembering what she says to him in those in-between life periods and so he surmises and then later proves after you know doing past life regressions with so many motherfuckers you can watch a video on youtube right now there's one on the oprah show where this blue collar guy who had a weird relationship with his sister does a past life regression and you watch him recall a past life where he was die where he died walking by an alleyway where a woman was getting raped and he was guilty he felt so guilty that he couldn't do anything to help her that woman he he was like that woman's my sister so a lot of times based off of all this reading i've done based off of dr brian weiss's books laurel and jackson's books 
we kind of travel with the same group of people. So our parents might be our parents in one life. They might be our son in the next life. They might be a lover in the next life. Like just the relationships kind of fluctuate and rotate. And the purpose, according to these books, and I kind of think they're onto something, is to learn and love. Learn while you're here and be loving and have a good, you know, have a good time. I put that one in. But um, so but these are some quotes from many lives, many masters um, that are these quotes are from Catherine talking to the off talking to Dr. Brian Weiss as these as the in between life as a spirit guide. I forget exactly what he calls them because I've been reading so much books on this shit. But these are these are words of wisdom. These are just these could be quotes on a magnet on your mom's refrigerator. Like these are regardless of where these quotes came from, they are sage pieces of advice. So I just wanted to read them so you get an idea of the philosophy that he's talking about in these books in, in case you want to read them for the uh, forgive the past. And these are messages from the from spirits. So listen up forgive the past it is over learn from it and go people are constantly changing and growing do not cling to a limited disconnected negative image of a person in the past see that person now your relationship is always alive and changing happiness comes from within it is not dependent on external things or on other people you become vulnerable and can easily be hurt when your feelings of security and happiness depend on the behavior and actions of other people. Never give your power to anyone else. That's a good one. I should have wish I got that one tattooed in my chest as a baby. One of the most important of life's lessons is to learn independence, to understand freedom. This means independence from attachments, from results, from opinions, and from expectations. Breaking attachments leads to freedom, which I feel like that's like what I've been doing this past year. But breaking attachments does not mean abandoning a loving and meaningful relationship, a relationship that nourishes your soul. It means ending dependency on any person or thing. Love is never a dependency. If you rely exclusively on the advice of others, you may make terrible mistakes. Your heart knows what you need. Other people have other agendas. Wish I got that tattooed on my leg as a toddler. Come from the heart, the true heart, not the head. When in doubt, choose the heart. This does not mean to deny your own experiences and that which you have empirically learned through the years. It means to trust yourself to integrate intuition and experience. There is a balance, a harmony to be nurtured between the head and the heart. When intuition rings clear and true, loving impulses are favored. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is the good quote that I wish I also got tattooed on my forehead as an infant. Inner peace is impossible without patience. Wisdom requires patience. Spiritual growth implies the mastery of patience. Patience allows the unfolding of destiny to proceed at its one unhurried pace. Oh, that's so good. Uh, often we take personally the slings and arrows of our abusers, but frequently we are merely the interchangeable pawns of their own neurotic dramas. Anyone else in your position would have received the same treatment. There is nothing especially noxious or negatively noteworthy about you. Sometimes soulmates, they meet, stay together until a task or life lesson is complete and then move on. This is not a tragedy, only a matter of learning. We are frightfully concerned with our own deaths, 
sometimes so much so that we forget the real purpose of our lives, which is to live in love and have fun. Um, oh, understand the nature and influence of repeating patterns from childhood experiences or even from past lives without understanding patterns uh, tend to repeat unnecessarily damaging the relationship. That is also true. So, yeah, these are a bunch of quotes. And so next week. Oh, there's also a, he, he Brian Weiss has many books and I've listened to all of them. But in one of these books, uh, it's called Messages from the Masters. There is a piece of wisdom that he wrote down through. I don't know if it was one of his clients was channeling this or he was. I forget. But I remember it was in chapter eight because I wrote it down. I didn't remember it. I wrote it down. And this is such a, a oh, my God, this quote's so good. The quote is separating into us and them, especially in these times, guys, separating into us and them is an act of violence. Focusing on the differences of people inevitably leads to violence sooner or later. We fear the other. We project our feelings of self-hatred onto them. We blame them for our problems rather than look inside ourselves. We attempt to solve our problems by fixing them. That is such a goddamn good quote. So I'm going to end this episode by saying that I love you and I hope you're okay. And you're going to be fine. And death isn't real. And then if you have a, if you have a story you want to email me, it's the Voices in Our Heads podcast at gmail.com. I'm going to get into, I so I had a past life regression thing, Sarah, session, uh, two days ago. And it, wow. Watch these videos. Just Google, YouTube Brian Weiss past life regression or past life regression. Just watch. This shit, I mean, Wow. And then I, so I've been researching all this stuff, kind of building up to having a session. And then I'm, I'm having my therapist that I see every week. She's going to start hypnosis on me. So I'm going to let you know how that goes. I was like, I hope with my, with this girl that I'm working with, the spiritual Anastasia this, at the spiritual goth um, on Instagram, we, we did a past life regression. And I, I told her, I was like, I don't want to go into my childhood yet because just in case there's a, uncover a memory of something that's very jarring. I want my therapist to be there just to say the stuff. And I just don't want, but let's get into our past lives. And when I tell you, it came through vivid. I smelled things. I heard that it Oh my God. And I'm just getting started with this shit. And I know this is a wild, this might be a wild concept to a lot of you listening, but go on your own journey of research. I'm telling you, we got time. Okay. We're still in COVID. You got time. Instead of spending another night playing Mario Kart, smoking a doobie, go down a YouTube black hole, past life regressions and Dr. Brian Weiss and look at his books. All right. I'm just going to leave you there. I'm going to leave you there. Thanks for being on this journey with me. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go far together, kid. All right. I love you. I'll talk to you next Wednesday.
And maybe we'll get lucky and we'll 